Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. It's Monday. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And we are talking about dice. With Steve. Steve. Hello. Steve's back. The, Hi, everybody. The curator of the Snakes and Lattes Game Library. We missed you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. And thanks for coming back. So, all right, dice. When did dice first show up as a thing? A very, very, very long time ago, I'm assuming. How yeah. long? Like, we're talking backgammon long ago, thousands of years. Dice have been around. I'm fairly sure that they're actually older than human history. Quite possibly. As, as long as we've wanted to throw something out and get a random result... I mean, this seems like a fairly basic thing. And even if there was, if we didn't think of the result as being random, even if our culture was too animistic at this point to think of anything as being random, the idea of casting someone outwards just to see how it falls, that's got to be ancient. That's got to be as old as the game of Let's Pretend, at least. And then, of course, you bring currency into existence, and suddenly now we want to play games that involve gambling. And, uh, gambling. And you better make sure that the game is fair and balanced for that, right? And how do you make a game fair and balanced? Well, you make it totally random so nobody gets to decide. This is one of the reasons why casinos are a viable business. is because over uh, they're, they're, you can have the excitement of not knowing when something's going to pay out. But over time, because of the fact that the odds will even out, I mean, that's the nature of balanced die rolls, that over time you're going to get the same amount of each result. And so they can actually plan and budget and prepare for, okay, if we have this many people playing this many times, this is how much money we're going to make. And it's pretty reliable, considering that it's completely random. But at the same time, you know, that statement of, like, the odds will even out eventually is what leads a lot of people to overspend the casinos. I mean, that's what the gambler's fallacy is, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, like, oh, the odds will even out, so this next one has to be good. The gambler's you know? fallacy actually shows up a fair bit in board games, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, then nobody's landed on Boardwalk yet. I'm totally going to land on it this time. Mm-hmm. Now, what, in your opinion, makes a dice game a dice game? Because there are lots of games that use dice. Well, if you're going to bother calling something a dice game, then the dice kind of have to be at the center of things, right? Yeah, they have, I would, they have to I would be agree the main with that. Thing. Yeah, they, they've got to be a an integral, not just mechanic, but component of the game. Like the, they're, they're what the game is for, as opposed to they're accomplishing Incidental. a task inside the game. Right, so like, Monopoly's not a dice game. No. Monopoly's a, I guess you would classify that as a board game that uses dice. Yes, Kind of like how you know it's, it's got cards, but it's not a card game. It's a board game that uses cards. Yeah, we could use a single spinner to uh, replicate movement in Monopoly. Or in draw fact, we, cards. We could have a deck of absolutely. cards, one to six, and draw them at random. Like, uh, sorry, does the same thing mm-hmm. with cards. Game of Life uses the same thing with a spinner. Yeah. Uh, and those are all basically the same sort of track game, where you get a number and you move a certain number of spaces. Mm-hmm. But you can't replace the dice in, say, Yahtzee with exactly. a spinner. Yahtzee is absolutely a dice game. And uh, I guess one of the other things that makes it that is that in Yahtzee, you do stuff with the dice. You're not just counting them. You're putting them into combinations and you're picking stuff to re-roll and stuff to keep. Dice become like you're playing pieces in Yahtzee. And I think that's probably going to be the case in dice games. You know, the, the dice are not only something you use every turn, but something you do stuff with beyond just counting the number of dots on top and moving that many spaces. 
the re-rolls in Yahtzee are actually something that sort of brings back the bell curve. There's the, okay, I used the phrase bell curve a few times now. This, this, here is why dice are beautiful and wonderful and much less random in some ways than a lot of people realize. If you roll three six-sided dice and add together the results, you're going to get a number somewhere between 3 and 18. Mm-hmm. But if you chart how many ways there are to get each of these numbers, you don't get a straight line. You get a sort of a, a curve shaped like a bell where in the middle, around the number uh, 10 or 10 and a half, 10 and 11, uh, there's, there's a high probability that's going to be there. There's lots of ways to roll a 10 or 11 with three six-sided dice. And over at the end, the 3 and the 18, it's almost on, it's on, it almost never happens because you have to roll three ones or three sixes. It's only one way to get those. And um, this is why in games like Catan, for example, some areas of the board are a lot more desirable than others. You build a settlement next to a 2 or a 12, and... You're an idiot. It's not going to pay off very often. You build next to the 9s, the 8s, the 6s. They're going to pop up so much more often. Much more profitable. Theoretically. Usually. (laughs) Statistically speaking. And yet I have witnessed individual games of Catan where... Three and five have been <laughs> way more common than any other rolls. And uh, here's why. In a game of Catan, you don't actually roll the dice that many times. And the more time, the, weirdly enough, the more dice that you roll, the more times you roll a die, the less luck-based the result is. Hmm. And here we get something called the law of large numbers, which is like, if, if that means if we roll a whole crap ton of dice, it's going to be near the middle, almost certainly. If you roll just one die, could go anywhere. So, you know, again, in Catan, it skews towards the middle. you got that bell curve. If you're playing Dungeons & Dragons and rolling a 20-sided die, it's just as likely to roll a 20 as it is to roll a 1, as it is to roll a 10, as it is to roll anything else. Part of the reason why dice are so great is because, as a design tool, there's so much you can do with them this way. You can make them swingy and wild and random, or you can make them actually quite controlled, but still producing the occasional surprise, depending on what it is you want to do with your game. And you can customize dice in so many different ways. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of different games that are out there that have dice that are non-standard. They are not what you would get in your Monopoly game. Or if you went to a gaming store and said, I'd like some dice for craps, they would give you two very simple, standard, six-sided dice with six different numbers. And that's that's but, the thing, the six-sided dice, too. Like, there are other dice out there than ones with six sides. You know, yeah. you can get them anywhere from four to 20 physically. Probably more if you want to roll uh, dice the, the size is of the a highest fist. number I've ever personally seen on a single die. But I've I'm actually sure seen there's... a 100 sided die once. You have to wait a long time for it. Yeah, to those stop ones are rolling. basically balls, though. <laughs> they they don't really quite count. But uh, and and even taking a standard six sided die, you don't have to make that be a six-sided die. No. You can be a game like Marrakesh where there's one one, one four, and then two twos and two threes. So. I'm not even sure what that statistically turns into as far as the number of sides, because it's there are four possible results with two of them being skewed to come up more often. So it's not a four-sided die. It's not a is it a five-sided die while still having six sides? It's oh, it's maddening. It's non-Euclidean. And it gets I'm losing even, my mind. It gets even weirder when you add in the possibility of rerolls, which is one of my absolute favorite things in all of tabletop gaming. The fact that if you roll some dice. And you don't like the result, you can take some of them, pick them up, and just roll them again. Get something else. And that, that's something that happens in tons of games as well. Like it's, it's the king of Yahtzee. That's, that's you know, where it really comes from. But so many other games use it either in a very Yahtzee way 
or just that idea of, oh, I don't like that die, so I'm going to re-roll it because maybe that's a special power that my warrior has or, you know, whatever, that idea of the re-roll. Yeah, for me, that's really what makes like a dice game like a dice game Mm -hmm. is the fact that you're not just rolling all of your dice at once but more that you're sort of like rolling them you know like critically Mm -hmm. you know with a little bit of forethought or like a little bit of possibility for change like that really sort of that engagement with dice that's so different from a game like monopoly or sorry or whatever that you just like you just roll it and you go it's the re-rolling for me that really makes it specific type of game. And it also makes them have some sort of more personality. I mean, mm. it's rolling a die and getting a bad result feels frustrating because it's not your fault, but rolling it's a die, fault. getting a bad result, and then re-rolling a die and getting the same bad result again is kind of awesome because at that point you sort of have to accept that fate has decreed that this is what is going to happen here. The universe wants you to suck for a little while. <laughs> yeah, there is no component in all of board games ever that has more personality than that die over there that won't roll that number you want it to roll. <laughs> you know? Like, like, ever, like, you will never feel spite against an inanimate object in board gaming the way you will feel towards your dice. Absolutely. You know? Nobody nobody resents a pawn or a tile in Carcassonne, but yeah, that one die that is being a pain in your butt. Absolutely. And people are superstitious about their own dice mm-hmm. as well. You ever talk to Dungeons and Dragons players who yep. will bring their own dice to a game session? Don't touch my dice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our our DM likes to like roll our D toys. I'm rolling the twenties out of them before we start our session. Or I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day that was like, "Yeah, I roll. I had this, this D twenty, and like the first time I played with it, I rolled like one, one, three, seven, one, six, four. So I just threw it out. He's like, I just threw it away. Not worth it. You Bad juju. You, you, you know what know? else you can do? You can take pictures of it with signs and upload it to dice shaming. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which is a thing. (laughs) And uh, I think many of us have heard stories of someone who uh, has a die that rolls sufficiently badly that they will hammer that die into pieces. People are insane. (laughs) Right. So usually our Monday episodes don't dig quite this deep. But uh, we're going to start actually talking about games in a couple of days on Wednesday. We'll talk to you then. Bye. See you.